But yet Jesus is so kind to her and he calls her daughter. And I mean, this is interesting because who is Jesus going to heal? He's going to go heal this other daughter, this Jairus's daughter. And yet he calls this woman daughter. And so that's why this is like the chapter of the daughters. But yet it says, while Jesus still spoke to this woman, one of the servants came and said to Jairus, your daughter is already dead. Don't trouble the teacher any longer. And so Jesus, he hears what the servant says, but he says to Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be healed. So he's calling Jairus to have faith, which is the theme of all this. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Luke. Hello and happy Thursday, faithful listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the P40 Ministries podcast and for just sharing a cup of coffee with me as we study the Bible together, because that's what this podcast is all about. Literally just reading the Bible and talking about it. So let's see what Luke chapter eight, verses 40 through 56 has to say. And this is the section that has to do with daughters. This is the daughter section. So yeah, I like this section because I'm a daughter. And uh, I'm a woman too. So <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this. Luke 8, 40 through 56. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. this morning. When Jesus returned, the multitudes welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Behold, a man named Jairus came, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus's feet and begged him to come into his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes pressed against him. A woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her living on physicians and could not be healed by any, came behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. Immediately, the flow of her blood stopped. Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes press and jostle you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I perceived that power has gone out of me. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. He said to her, Daughter, cheer up. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he still spoke, one from the ruler of the synagogue's house came, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher. But Jesus, hearing it, answered him, Don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be healed. When he came to the house, he didn't allow anyone to enter in except Peter, John, James, the father of the child and her mother. All were weeping and mourning her, but he said, don't weep. She isn't dead, but sleeping. They were ridiculing him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside and taking her by the hand, he called saying, child arise. Her spirit returned and she rose up immediately. 
He commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he commanded them to tell no one what had been done. Isn't that just a great portion of scripture? And another one, I believe, that's been talked about three times now. So yeah, it's important enough that Luke also wrote about this, discussing Jesus's authority over death, over demons, over sicknesses, over everything, pretty much. So in verse 40, Jesus returned from that Gentile region and he went there to basically just heal that one man. And uh, that one man, of course, went and spread the gospel to the entire city about how Jesus had healed him from those demons, the legion of demons. So now Jesus is back and the multitudes were welcoming him and they were all waiting for him is what they what it says here. And so it says a man named Jairus who was a synagogue leader or a ruler, fell down at Jesus's feet and begged him to come into his house. I think it's important to note that Jairus wanted Jesus to come into the house because we've already seen um, different accounts of Jesus healing people without even touching them, without even being there. I mean, the centurion Uh, He wasn't worthy for Jesus to come into his house. And he said that to Jesus. And so even so, that centurion's servant was healed just because of how great the centurion's faith really was. And Jesus uses faith to heal. I think there is an amount of faith needed in order to heal. I, I truly do believe that. I believe, yes, Jesus can do anything, but faith has a huge part to play in how much a person can be healed, kind of. Because we see that uh, different accounts of faith, more miraculous stuff would happen if the people were more faithful. For example, uh, the centurion, his servant was healed from afar, like a huge distance away, because the centurion had so much faith that Jesus could heal from a distance. And so that that servant was healed. And then there's other accounts of faith that were so minuscule that Jesus couldn't really do anything. Like when Jesus went back to his own hometown, he could barely do anything there, like perform any works except for a couple people he could lay their his hands on to heal them. But that was all he could do because their faith in him and in God was so, so weak. So we see that Jairus's faith I wouldn't necessarily say it was weak, but he definitely did not believe that Jesus could heal from a distance. That's for sure. He believed that Jesus would have to lay his hands on the daughter in order for her to be healed. So that's why he says, can you please come into my house? Because he did not believe uh, fully, I suppose, in Jesus, or rather he didn't have full faith in Jesus's healing abilities. And so it says that he fell down at Jesus' feet, begged him to come into the house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. So Luke mentions the age of the daughter. So 12 years of age would have been a daughter just about to become a young woman. So she wasn't a baby anymore, but she also was not quite yet a young woman. We find out that the age of 12 in Jesus's day was kind of the age when the young men started learning their father's trades and started making that transition into adulthood. And same for, I would guess, the young women as well. But yeah, this young woman, she was uh, 12 years of age and she was dying. 
And this was their only child, their only daughter. I don't know if it says it's their only child, but it definitely says it's their only daughter for sure. And they loved this child very much. You know, she was the only girl. And so then it continues on that Jesus agreed. Jesus agreed to go into Jairus's house in order to heal that young girl. So it says, as he went, the multitudes were pressing against him. And a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her living on physicians and could not be healed by any, came behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately the flow of her blood stopped. So this woman, we don't know her name. We don't know anything really about her other than she was sick. She had her period for 12 whole years is what it says. The same amount of years that that young girl was alive for is how long this woman had the issue of blood for. And I don't know if there's any significance in that at all, but there might be. But yeah, she had the issue for 12 years and she was tired of it, obviously, probably very, very sick of just constantly feeling sick, constantly on her her period. I mean, what woman likes to be on their period, let alone for one for 12 years? She probably couldn't get married because of it. You know, I mean, if we looked at the Old Testament laws regarding uh, a woman's cycle, she had to take special cautionary practices when she was going through her cycle. And uh, she wasn't allowed to really go into the temple because she was considered to be ceremonially unclean. Or rather, I don't know if she couldn't go into the temple. Yeah, I would guess she couldn't. I'm not sure about that. But one way or the other, she couldn't really do a lot because she was ceremonially unclean, especially when it comes to like religious practices and purposes. And no man would want to marry her because she was considered ceremonially unclean. She was probably unable, first and foremost, to have kids because of this issue. And secondly, she was unable to get married because of this issue. And she would have been considered, um, especially in this day and age, as like an unclean human being. Even though when we read it in Leviticus, we did see that women going through their cycle were able to do a lot and still function in society and life. But um, people took it, of course, to the extreme by the time... Jesus was around and uh, she probably would have been considered like a huge outcast at this point because of everything going on with her body. So at this point, she is so sick of this. She has enough faith to believe that all she has to do is touch Jesus's garment in some way to touch just the tassel. And so that's what she does. She comes up behind Jesus. She sneaks through the crowd. And by the way, Anybody who would have touched her would have been considered ceremonially unclean as well. We see that. Um, I forgot about that little tidbit. If a man or a woman was ceremonially unclean, anybody that they touched would also be considered ceremonially unclean, especially when it came to like an issue like this, like an issue of blood or uh, pus or any other kind of like oozing sores or or any kind of disease like that. Yeah, a person who touched another person. Uh, who had anything like that would be considered ceremonially unclean and then they would make the other person ceremonially unclean as well. But Jesus is so pure, but we see that it doesn't matter. He doesn't ever get sick like when he touches ceremonially unclean people because he's probably touching them constantly, firstly. And secondly, um, he was so pure that the second he touched them, they were totally healed and they were no longer ceremonially unclean. So Jesus never could get ceremonially unclean 
because he was so pure that he caused that person the instant they touched him to be pure. And so, yeah. So, yeah, Jesus was never ceremonially unclean and never could be. And so Jesus perceives power going out of himself through the tassel and into the woman. And I do find it interesting. So Luke is a doctor, actually. The, the guy who wrote Luke was a doctor. And I do find it interesting that Luke specifically pointed out that no physicians could heal her. No doctor, no physicians could heal this woman. And she had spent all the money that she had, her living, on these people, on these doctors to try to heal her. And that just shows the humbleness of Luke. Like Luke's not like, oh, some doctors couldn't heal her. But if, you know, maybe I could. No, I mean, Luke knew that this this disease, whatever this woman had, could not be cured by any human being. It was beyond that. But Jesus could, in fact, cure it. And that's Luke, a doctor that's coming from a doctor saying this, that no doctor in the world could heal her. Only Jesus could. No amount of medical science, nothing could heal this woman because Jesus is beyond all that. And Jesus has all the authority, even above doctors. And so now Jesus says, after this woman touches him, who touched me? And so all denied it. And everybody's like, no, nobody touched you. And it's funny because all denied it. And yet all of them were basically touching Jesus. Master, the multitudes press and jostle you and you say, who touched me? And that's what Peter says. And like, it's just funny that all the people were like, no, no, we didn't touch you, Jesus, even though we were touching you. So yeah, (laughs) I just find that funny. But anyway, Jesus is like, no, someone definitely touched me. I perceived that power has gone out of me. And so the woman at that point saw that she was not hidden. She couldn't hide any longer. And so she falls down trembling at Jesus's feet. And she ends up telling the whole story. She's like, I was ceremonially unclean. And I went into this multitude, touched a whole bunch of people and touched you, Jesus. And so she's confessing to this and admitting it. And yet Jesus doesn't get mad at her. He doesn't yell at her. He only says, your faith has made you well. And he calls her daughter. He says, daughter, cheer up. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That's probably the opposite response of what she was expecting. She was probably expecting Jesus, you know, to yell at her for saying, like, why did you leave your house when you're ceremonially unclean? Because maybe that's what she got in the past before. But yet Jesus is so kind to her and he calls her daughter. And I mean, this is interesting because who is Jesus going to heal? He's going to go heal this other daughter, this Jairus's daughter. And yet he calls this woman daughter. And so that's why this is like the chapter of the daughters. And of course, don't forget, Jairus is here like watching all this. And Jairus is probably like, hurry up, Jesus. Like, why are you healing this woman? Come on, let's go. But yet it says, while Jesus still spoke to this woman, one of the servants from the synagogue's house came and said to Jairus, your daughter is already dead. Don't trouble the teacher any longer. And so Jesus, he hears what the servant says, but he says to Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be healed. So he's calling Jairus to have faith, which is the theme of all this. You know, Jairus's faith at the beginning wasn't super strong. You know, like, I mean, I, I guess it was strong, but it was not like super strong like some people's was. But yet this woman had so much faith that she didn't even need to have Jesus touch her. She could just take a, a tassel off of his garment 
and be healed that way. She had enough faith that Jesus, you know, could heal her in that capacity. So Jairus watching all this, that Jesus just performed a healing without even touching this woman. Maybe that alone spurred him along to have enough faith that Jesus could heal his dead daughter. I mean, all of this could have been for Jairus as well. Like this entire thing. I mean, it was definitely for that woman. But you have to remember who was with Jesus. And I think this was almost a a show for Jairus. Like Jairus, like have enough faith that your daughter can be healed. And so Jesus says, have faith and she will be healed. So Jairus does have enough faith that he continues along with Jesus. And so Jesus finally arrives at Jairus's house and it says that he didn't allow anyone to enter in except for Peter, James, and John, and of course the mother and the father. So of course all these people are like weeping and mourning because I've talked about this before about how um, how you could buy like a professional mourner in uh, this day. <laughs> you could like hire people and they'd play their instruments and make all the crying noises and be so sad for uh, a person they didn't know. And they were professional mourners. They would go and mourn for people and let all the other people in the neighborhood know that someone had died. So Jesus tells the people who are mourning he's like stop weeping she isn't dead she is sleeping so then all of a sudden they're not weeping anymore and they're sitting there ridiculing jesus and i think actually matthew said that the people were laughing at jesus so clearly they weren't uh, that sad so they ridiculed jesus knowing that the girl was dead but so jesus kicks them all out he's it says he puts them all outside and so he takes the young girl by the hand And he calls saying, child, arise. And all of a sudden, her spirit returns and she rose up immediately. So she's just back to life. And it says that he commanded that something should be given to her to eat. And, you know, this girl, her spirit was sleeping, is what it says. Her spirit was sleeping. Even though the girl herself was dead, Jesus says she's sleeping and her spirit had slept. But yet when Jesus took her by the hand, her spirit returned. It woke up and immediately she was back on her feet and healthy. And so her parents were amazed is what it said. But he commanded them to tell no one what had been done. So he didn't want everybody to know about this. Sometimes to me, it it is a little odd when Jesus says, yes, go tell people and no, don't tell anybody. And I would guess that Jesus knows the reason why sometimes he says not to um, tell people about stuff. And, uh, you know, when he performed that healing of the dead boy um, a few chapters before this, he did that pretty publicly. So I am kind of curious as to why sometimes Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Um, Maybe it was because Jairus was more of a leader, more of like a synagogue leader and had more influence and he didn't want everybody uh, in the synagogues to know like the chief priests and the scribes because maybe they would have gotten more jealous I mean I don't know I I would guess that Jesus obviously knew the correct answers of when he could do something publicly and when he could not but yeah he he told Jairus to keep this under the radar but yeah so that is the story of the daughters in Luke chapter 8 and once again you know that's the only time recorded in scripture that Jesus calls somebody daughter That's the only time is with that woman with the issue of blood. And yeah, I mean, 
really great story. But sometimes I feel like we focus more in on the woman with the issue of blood than we, we do with the events surrounding that. And the events surrounding it was Jairus and Jairus's faith. And really, I don't know if it's necessarily about the woman with the issue of blood, but rather the moral of the story is just have faith. Faith that God can do something. Faith that God can heal. And I mean, we don't have a lot of faith like that in, in at least, well, I shouldn't say we don't. I mean, I think that there are some people who do have faith that Jesus can heal uh, in America, but we do uh, trust a lot more, I believe, in doctors than we do in Jesus. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I just, <laughs> I am not saying that, and I do believe that doctors can do a lot of good and often do. But what I'm trying to say, though, is we shouldn't be putting our faith in those doctors, but rather we should be putting our faith in God who created doctors and created medicine and created everything and knows what's going on with our bodies, knows what's wrong and can heal us either with a doctor or without, like God can do anything. And so that's who we're supposed to be putting our faith in is God. Faith produces great results. And I, I believe that's the moral of the story. But, you know, friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode and join me tomorrow for another episode out of Leviticus. But until then, happy listening and God bless.